God's word is his weapon for revival and transformation of lives for his glory. Prepare your heart as you receive the word of God coming to you from Calvary Way Revival Labels. For inquiries and counsel, you can send an email to calvarywayrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 08065607999. God bless you as you listen and obey. Gracious Father, we thank you for thus far you have helped us in this conference beginning from yesterday when you started teaching us on the foundations for a living sacrifice in the first message and on the second message you began to teach us on how to become a living sacrifice and this morning we are looking up to you again for an enlightenment a teaching on how we must present our bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. We pray that you will grant us light, grant us understanding that will enable us to do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Say a better amen. amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 12. Our key text again. Let's read it again. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god amen now one of the false teachings that are currently and maybe previously going on in the body of Christ among the children of God which the false prophets and teachers were carrying around is that the body of a believer does not matter. That all that matters is the heart. How many of you have had that kind of teaching before or preaching before? It's very common. They say that God looks at the heart, that he doesn't look at the body, that all you just need to know and do is to ensure that your heart is correct, that whatever you put on in your body does not matter. However you handle your body, it doesn't concern God. That what concerns God is your heart. But yesterday, when we are looking at Jesus, you will remember that when we read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, he said, when Christ came into this world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you are not interested in anymore. In burnt offering and in sin offering, you have no pleasure. He said, but a body 
you have what? Prepared for me. A body. A body, not a soul, not a spirit. What God has prepared for him is what? A body. And what is that body going to do? He said, this body is the body I will use to do your will, O God. I come with the body that you prepared for me to do your will, O God, as it is written concerning me in the volume of books. Showing us that our bodies are important to God. God gave Jesus a body. And release him with that body to do his will. If you have an orange that is ripe, and you look at the orange, by looking at the body of the orange, Will you be able to know whether this orange is ripe or not? Eh? Yes. Whatever that is inside the orange, as is happening inside, it naturally reflects on the body of the orange. The same thing with mango. The same thing with every of the fruits you can think about. When it is happening inside, you notice that the outside will be reflecting it. There are some signs that will be showing on the outside. You know there are some fruits that, let's say, German mango, for example, the color does not change as it's ripening. Isn't it? But still, when you look at a ripe German mango, there are some signs at the body that will show you that this mango is already ripe. God is interested in human body. That is why the Bible also said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not your soul. Not your spirit. When he said, present your bodies, he's not talking about spiritual body. Believers have formed the habit of trying to spiritualize what is even physical. That scripture, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. These bodies that is there is referring to your physical body. How many of you have physical body here? Raise your hand. You know, you are sure. If you are in doubt, don't raise your hand. 
If you are sure that you have a physical body, if I don't, if your hand does not raise or, uh, uh, go up, we suspect a ghost, a, maybe a demon that entered here to deceive us. But if you are sure you have a physical body, can I see your hand up? Somebody help. Amen. Or you touch your body. Touch any part of your body. Just touch it to be sure, to confirm. Now God said, we should present this body. So it's not coming before God and say, oh God, you know my heart. He also wants to know what is going on. We are in your body. He also wants to, he say, present your body as a living sacrifice. I believe by now you have understood what it means to be a living sacrifice. If you are here yesterday evening. Am I correct? <laughs> now, that living sacrifice should be what? Holy! And acceptable to God. Now, before we start dealing with the issue of um, holiness and acceptable to God, I wanted to see a scripture that is saying the same thing in Romans chapter 6. I think we read it uh, in the morning of yesterday. Romans chapter 6, you see verse 13. When he finished telling us in verse 12 that we should not allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. Did you see that in verse 12? Eh? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Do not allow sin because sin has the power, the capacity, the ability to rule over a man's mortal body, over a man's body. And such a body that is under the rulership of sin can never be presented to God as an acceptable sacrifice. Now he said in verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. What are your members? What do you understand as the word members? Parts of your body. Don't yield. Don't submit. Don't surrender. Don't give in. Give up any part of your body to sin. Don't allow it to become an instrument of unrighteousness. Do you know that every sin that is that has a witness every sin that has a witness is committed by the body 
you, you understand what I mean by saying that has a witness? That is, somebody can testify that this person has a sin. We have two kinds of sin. Sin that has a witness and sin that doesn't have a witness. The one that has a witness is one that somebody can commit in his heart and nobody will know. But the one that has a witness is one that the person will commit it with his body. And people will know that he has committed. Sometimes people commit sin thinking that others didn't know that they are committing sin. For example, you know, you know about CCTV camera? Eh? If those who are committing masturbation are aware that there is a CCTV camera capturing what they are doing in the room, will they do that? Because the reason why people do commit some certain sin in the secret is that they believe that nobody is uh, seeing them. One man, security man, went and stole money from the bank. He's a security man working in the bank. Stole money. And they asked, who stole this money? They all denied. And then after some days, in fact, the, one of the bankers came to me and was telling me, look at what happened. And they said that they are going to pay for it. I should help her to pray. I prayed for her. Later she came back with smile and testimony and said, sir, you know what happened? They played, maybe they forgot before. And suddenly, maybe after the prayer, they now remember that they had CCT camera. They now played it and saw it was one of the security men that took the money. And they called the man and said, are you the person that took this money? He said, never. It was not me. And then they said, sit down, let's uh, give you some video to watch. And then they put up the video and then he saw somebody like him going to pick the money. And they post it there. And they say, can you look at the face of this person and confirm who he is? Is he you? And the man now said, it is him. Let me ask, if the man is aware that such a thing is existing, will he do that? Every sin that has witness is committed by the body. And that is why that scripture is saying, do not submit your hand, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your leg, any part of your body. Don't yield it to become an instrument for unrighteousness, for sin. Rather, yield yourselves to God. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto holiness. Now look at verse 16 of the same Romans 6. Verse 16. Verse 16 said, okay, not verse 16, verse 19. Let me jump those. Uh, verse 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, 
servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity before now. Even so, from now, do what? Yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. He said, before now, before you, you encountered Jesus, you have yielded your members, your part of your body, to be slaves, servants unto all uncleanness from one level of iniquity to another. That's what describes the life of a typical unbeliever. A typical unbeliever is a slave to sin. Is a servant to sin. That's what we are before. And that is why even when you know, such a person will say, I will not do this because he's a slave. He will still be forced by his master to do that which he has decided I will not do. But that scripture is saying, now that you are born again, now that Christ died for you and you died with Christ, Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto holiness. Submit. Verse 16 says, Don't you know that to whomever you yield yourself, you became the servant of that person? Look at that verse. Verse 16. Read it for me. Read it for me. Verse 16. Want to go? Amen. Now, what that verse is saying is that any body, every human being must be a servant. Every human being is created to be what? A servant. Is either you are a servant to God through righteousness or you are a servant to Satan through unrighteousness. Nobody is free. Nobody is free. If you are not possessed by the Holy Ghost, beaming out the light of God, and living a life of holiness and righteousness, you are possessed with demons. There is no middle ground. Oh, I don't have the Holy Spirit, but I don't think I have demon. You are a liar. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you have demons in you. God created only two things. That is why if you are not a man, you must be a woman. Otherwise, you have no reason to be a human being. There is no third thing to become. If it is not the spirit of God that is inside of your life, 
And when you sleep, you see yourself in the dream, preaching the gospel, raising the dead, ministering, you know, to people. It must be a demon that is inside of you. And that is why when you sleep, you see yourself having sex in the dream. You see yourself about to have sex and you release. You see yourself flying in the dream like a witch. You see yourself swimming. You see serpents around you as if you are playing with them. These are manifestations, signs, that the spirit that is inside of you is a demon, not the spirit of God. The reason why you have done nothing about it, can I tell you why? Is because, you know, it's hidden. If it is COVID or leprosy, the one that will make you to feel ashamed, the moment you notice the first sign of sex in the dream, you'll be running to go and have, so that you'll not be, you know, man is meant to preserve dignity. That is why even when you have, he has done what is so bad, you will be saying, please, I know, I, like Saul, telling Samuel, I know I have done wrong, but honor me. Don't disgrace me before the people as if I am nothing. That's the flesh. The Bible says your body is not talking to everybody. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. For the unbelievers, their body is what? Temple of idols. In fact, have you read 2 Corinthians chapter 6 before? Where he said in verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with your... Uh, turn to that scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 14. Let's read it. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There are people that are called unbelievers. Everybody is not a believer. Some human beings have refused to believe in Christ. You preach the gospel to them, they say, no, I don't want to believe. Sometimes they try to even avoid preachers. And God said, because they have rejected light, because they have rejected Jesus, don't yoke yourself with them as friends, as business partners, as marriage partners. Don't tie your neck, yoke has to be on the neck, with them. So that you will be, you know, taking decisions together and all of Because both of you are not thinking the same. And then he said, for what fellowship has righteousness with what? Unrighteousness. What is he calling righteousness? The Bible says, you are the righteousness of God. Isn't it? So he's referring to the believers as what? Righteousness. And referring to the unbelievers as what? Unrighteousness. And then he said, and what communion has light with darkness? What did the Bible call believers? You are the light of this world. What about the unbelievers? You are the darkness of this world. And he's asking, what is the relationship? 
What is the communion? Can light sit down and darkness sit by the side? Anytime you notice that you sit down and a darkness is comfortable around you, then it means that you are no more light. Are you following me? You are a light in your class as a student. And your classmates, they are not feeling light. You are not preaching the gospel. You are not living the gospel. And they are comfortable. Sometimes they may even say, ah, we like your own kind of um, Christianity. Not this one that is always disturbing somebody with preaching. communion, what fellowship has light with darkness? Some of us, you know, your friend, the one you like going out with, is an unbeliever. He's not born again. And the question is, what communion? You are the light, you are dark, is darkness. Some are even planning to marry unbelievers. When a light is trying to marry darkness, you know what it means. If there is darkness here now and light comes, will darkness remain? Before a light, we say, I want to marry darkness. The light has become a darkness. Because once there is light, darkness must what? run automatically. True of us. So, saying that a believer marries unbeliever is not existing. Before the believer will marry unbeliever, he has turned to an what? Unbeliever. That is why the marriage can be even considered. The moment as a sister you are already considering a man and they ask you, is, is he born again? I say, I cannot really answer that question. All I know is that he's going to church and he's committed. You know, he did confirmation. And uh, he even showed me his confirmation certificate. Excuse me, sister. Is he born again? Is he a child of God? Is he speaking in tongues? What fellowship is he attending? <laughs> I used to tell people that I don't consider you a believer if you don't have a fellowship. Don't have brethren. You are currently, current. Somebody say current. Currently fellowshipping with again what is your fellowship um i don't really have a fellowship but i sometimes i read bible and um, i am committed in the church i'm in one organization or the other excuse me you are not born again you can't be born again without naturally seeking the fellowship of the brethren light and darkness has no relationship what is number three question? The first question is righteousness and unrighteousness. The number three is what? Eh? What concord has Christ with Belial? Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives where? In me. So for me, a believer, who is inside of me? Christ. For an unbeliever, who is inside of him? Satan. And the question is, 
what is the relationship, what is the concord between this Christ and this Satan? You know, sometimes I used to tell believers, because anytime we are preaching like this or talking about believer and unbeliever, trying to bring out the correct picture according to the Bible, we used to quietly and silently exonerate our brothers, sisters, mother, father that are not born again. Am I saying the truth? That's the way you keep saying, well, is this unbeliever, this drunkard? But you know that your younger sister is one of them. I said, it's better to honestly first of first of all apply it to your family members so that it will wake you up that your mother is Satan. Your mother is darkness. Your mother is unrighteousness. Then the thing will make you to say, hey, no, 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 no. I will fast and pray. I will preach. I will ensure that. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And then the next one said, what? What part has he that believed with what? An infidel. Infidel. And then verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with what? Idols. Idols. <laughs> Look at the next statement. The next statement said, For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So who are the temple of God? The believer. Who are the idols? The unbeliever. If you are an unbeliever and you are here, I think you have to quickly repent. Because the terminologies that the Bible is using about you is terrible. Now, that last verse we read is giving us a picture of why God is desiring our bodies. What is the picture? I will dwell in them. I will live in them. Why do we need to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice? Because God is looking for bodies that are holy that he can dwell in. And then he said, We are four, verse 17. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, 
and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, one of the reasons why holiness is a, an uphill tax for some believers is lack of consciousness of the indwelling presence of the Almighty in their body. Lack of what? Consciousness. That God is the one inside this body. Do you remember that people used to have some level of respect for the temple, physical temple? Am I correct? If an unbeliever is smoking and is smoking as he's entering the church, do you remember that most of them used to either finish the smoking outside before they enter or they will throw away the cigarette or whatever before they enter, through of us. Why are they doing that? Why? Because they have consciousness that I'm entering a holy place. So I don't need to smoke here now. Sometimes it may not be smoking. It may be that somebody offended you in such a way that you should have normally gotten angry. But you see yourself advising yourself that this place, if not that this place is what? Is a church. I know what I would have done to this guy. Let it be. And sometimes you can even verbalize it and tell the person, excuse me, this thing you, you do now, don't try it outside this place. Eh? Don't try it outside here. I know why I, I, keep, I kept quiet. There is a consciousness that you are in the presence of God. Why are we not that conscious that we are in the presence of God that is living inside this body. Why? Are you getting my question? Something is wrong. Sometimes, I will see a brother, he will come and say, Sir, I don't know what happened again. I committed masturbation again. Eh? I watched pornography again. Eh? Why? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are saying to God, in your presence, inside your altar, inside your temple, I will pollute myself, I will defile myself, I will pollute even the altar. And let me tell you, people have some level of fear for the physical temple and the physical altar. Even if somebody is to fight in this place, do you know that this inside this place is the last place he will choose to fight? What is the place that he may likely fight? Close to the door. 
so that it will be as if it is not inside. But the New Testament is even saying that God is not dwelling in a house built by... Where is he dwelling now? Inside the body as a temple. That's where he is now. That is why he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. God is holy, and where he will dwell, or he must dwell, must be what? Holy. Now, what is holiness? Holiness is being set apart, being separated from the common. There is a difference between holiness and righteousness. Righteousness is when you are, you know what is right and you do it. As the literal meaning of righteousness. Do what is right. You came to work by 8 o'clock. What is righteousness? Writing 8 o'clock or writing 9 o'clock? Or uh, 7.30. What is righteousness? 8 o'clock. That's the time you came to work. Write 8. Don't write 7. Once you write 7, you are not doing the right. You are not doing the right thing. It's wrong. So, we can say that righteousness is taking right actions, literally. If you want to make it complete, you can now add why standing right with God. Because the self-righteousness, the Bible says, is like a filthy rag. It's not acceptable before God. But when you have right standing with God, you can stand there and take right action. But holiness is not. Holiness is being separated from the common. If you want to understand holiness, you need to understand what our mothers do. Most mothers normally reserve some plates and uh, cups and you know utensils special for visitors. Your mother does she do that? Anytime visitors arrive in the house, if they are serious visitors, not your friends, does she do that for your friends? Serious family visitors, she will go to that place and bring out those vessels, watch it, use it to serve them. When they finish eating, she will wash it again and take it back. That's what holiness is all about. Those plates, it says, are holy unto her because they are separated. They are set apart. They are preserved. They are kept for special holy use. The plates that are in the general basin where all of you are picking your own, 
they are common plates. So opposite of holiness is commonness. When you go to the common, yeah, that's your portion in the land of the living. You pick your common plate. Sometimes when you finish eating, you drop it in the, uh, uh, yeah. Linus, go and wash your plate now. Is it not a maker that is supposed to wash plate this afternoon? And for you to know how holy plates utensils are valued by your mother, if she discovered that one day you carelessly went there and bring the plate out and use it to eat and all of that, will she take it easy with you? Hmm. You will see her in a different color that day. How dare you? A, a, a plate that I preserved and reserved and kept. That's holiness. Separated for a use that is not common. Present your bodies. Not as a common body. But as what? A holy body. A body that is set apart. A body that is separated. For God. Reserved and kept. For a special use. How many of you want God to use you? Oh Lord, use me. Raise your hand, I want to see. If you don't raise your hand, God will not use you. I say, I'm a prophet. So if I talk, you follow. <laughs> okay. All of you want God to use you. Do great things, mighty things. Now, the basic qualification for God using any man is that he will not use you with any other person. Eh? He will not what? Use you. That those plates is only your mother that uses that plate. Am I correct? It's only her that anybody that goes there will find her trouble. So, what is a holy eyes? A holy eyes or a holy eyes are eyes that are used by God and God alone. What is a holy tongue? Mouth. A holy tongue, mouth, is a tongue that is kept, used by God alone. Are you understanding holiness? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy holy, separated, kept, reserved for God. Your bodies are not supposed to be used by any other person apart from who? God. That's what God is asking for. In view of the mercies that I have shown you by sending my only begotten son to die for you and also crucifying you with him so that I will deliver you by the reason of that from the power of sin. Now do this for me. Set your body apart. Keep it holy. Don't use your body with any other thing. In fact, let me be the only one that will be using your mouth. 
Let me be the only one that will be using any and every part of your body. That is what God is asking us for. That is when you become a living sacrifice that is acceptable. Look at the Bible. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Between a living sacrifice and acceptability, there is holy. It is actually the holy holiness of the living sacrifice that makes the living sacrifice acceptable to God. Do you understand what I just said now? If you read that scripture, it said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I said, there is living sacrifice that is acceptable to God. And what makes the living sacrifice you are presenting to God acceptable to God is that the living sacrifice, that's your body, is what? Holy. If your body is not holy and you say to God, take my life and let it be, God will say, please, I don't accept every offering. Did you remember that Cain and Abel offered not even their body? What did they offer? The product of their, their work to God. And the Bible said, God rejected Cain and his offering and accepted Abel and his what? So, what God rejected is, first of all, not the offering of Cain, but the person of what? Cain. What God accepted is not, first of all, the offering of Abel, but what? The person of Abel. God cannot accept everything. Lord, take me and use me, but your mouth you are still using it for gossip, for telling lies, for cursing, for doing things, quarreling and fighting, things that you are not supposed to say with your mouth. Have you heard, okay, I think it's even a song. You are the Lord, that is your name. What again? You will never share. You will not share your glory with any man. That glory is not just talking about uh, glory. It's talking about your body. Because with what do we glorify God? With what? With our body. With our body. Holiness is higher than righteousness. Why and how? You cannot be holy if you are not righteous. But somebody can be righteous, but not unto and up to holiness. Let me describe that. The plates that are in the general basin, can they be clean without death? Yes, now. But the problem with the plates... They are clean. The problem with the plate is that anybody can come to the house and do what? Collect and use. Anybody. Anybody can use your mouth. Any gossiper can come around and say, what's your name? Miracle. Did you hear what is happening? Amara. Which, which school is, are you, is that? 
Funai. Did you hear what is happening at Funai? Ah, tell me something. And then the story will start. Anybody at all, your ear is not holy. If your ear becomes holy and you hear somebody about to say something negative about another person, you will say, please, I don't want to hear. This ear is holy. He doesn't hear gossip. Eh? These eyes are holy. He doesn't watch pornography. Both life and video. Do you know the one they call life pornography? Eh? Should I tell you? Looking more than once. Write it down. Life pornography is equal to what? Looking more than once. What do I mean? When you see somebody that is, you know, dressed seductively, you cannot stop men from dressing seductively. Some people are, that is their business. Those that are into prostitution, if they don't dress seductively, how will they make their gain? Are you getting what I'm saying? Every businessman thinks and Whenever they are thinking, they are thinking about how to expand this uh, business. For example, those that are in the business of making cups, I mean, um, coffin, what is their prayer? Their witch. They may not pray it, those who are, they may not pray that people will die, but their witch. Because if people did not die, they would die of hunger. They establish it as a business because they know that people must be dying. And any season where people die so much, you see them, they are very happy. Because more money will come. Now, those that are into prostitution and all of that, homosexuals and the lesbians, what do you think they are thinking about? What do I put on? How do I dress? So that I will be able to attract some partners into this. So I say you cannot stop men from dressing seductively. They know what they are doing. As a lecturer, when I enter the class, I deal with students that are not properly dressed. Those of them that, you know, I start from the hair. The problem I used to have with guys is their hair. Then ladies with their sleeveless and um, selling gear, all, all those kind of uh, tight and all of that. I will, first of all, I will warn you. Then if you try it again, I will punish you. So this place is not a marketplace for immoral people. This is a, 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 a learning environment where you come to learn. So you must not distract others. So I said, if you look, because you will not close your eyes in order to keep the eyes holy. 
If you try it, you will fall down, break your leg, and all of that. So as you're walking on the road, your eyes should be open so that you don't fall down. So when you now, as you're walking, you now lift your eyes. You saw one lady coming, and she is dressed somehow. The first look is a mistake. God is not going to judge you or worry you at that. But looking again the second time, are you getting it now? And you are saying, ah, how are people dressing like this? These days, can you imagine? I'm dead to see no manner. You know, why are they even dressing like this? Can you see this lady? You know that you are now polluting your eye. Your eye is no longer holy. Oh, I didn't know that this is a pornography site. So I clicked and the thing now landed you in. Oh, no, 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 no. no! You are running. That you enter there by mistake, God, no problem. But to stay there or to go back again, are you getting what I'm talking about? Holiness is God's demand for us. Because God is looking for holy vessels to use. Not this kind of vessel that the flesh will use you. Even Satan will enter you and use to tempt somebody. You remember that he entered Judas. Am I correct? Entered Peter. One day Jesus looked at Peter and said, Ah, what am I seeing? Satan. He looked at Peter. He is not seeing Peter again. He saw the, the man inside. Yeah. Thank God he has the eyes that can see. Otherwise, he will think that the suggestion that Peter is giving him is um, a good one. Until he knew the source. That the source of this suggestion is not coming from God. Holy eyes! Don't, don't look at evil. They are preserved for God. You know, there are things that are so practical, very practical. By the time you finish watching and looking at all sorts of evil, you will notice that your spiritual energy has been drained. You are going down. And that is why there are some of us, when you are growing up, you notice that there are some gifts that we are manifesting in your life. But as you begin to grow up, those gifts are no longer manifesting. And you are asking, where are they? They are not manifesting because you have polluted the body that is supposed to anchor the manifester of the gifts. And so God is saying, return back. Where are we? Are we still in um, Second Corinthians? Eh? Oh yeah. Look at chapter seven, the next chapter, verse one, because we have finished chapter chapter six. Says, "I will be with you. I will be live among you." Says the Lord Almighty. Then chapter seven, verse one. What did he say? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us do what. Cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness 
in the fear of God. Let us look at the promises that God is promising to us. I will live in you. I will dwell among you. I will be your father. I will be your God. Wonderful promises. And he signed it. He signed the Lord Almighty. That is to say, I am ready for to fulfill this promise. He now said, look at these promises that God has given to us. Let us cleanse ourselves. Oh, that's the work we have to do. It's not God that we do the work for you. Somebody is calling you on phone. As a, a lady, you are answering. And he's telling you all kinds of things. But you know that after each call, after each call, your spiritual life goes down. Is it God that will go and warn that person and say, if you call Sister Ephraim again, I will punish you. She's my child. She's my daughter. And I want her to be holy. Don't call her again. Is it God that will do that? Let us cleanse ourselves. Don't say to God, I know that you are the almighty God who can do all things. I am in a problem. I don't know how to come out. This man has been calling me. I don't know how to stop him from calling me. No, it's not true. You know how. You know how. What is how? If somebody is calling you and you don't like, what is that? Eh? Tell the person that I don't want this call anymore. Why? I want to serve God and the call is distracting me. Shun it. Cleanse yourself from defilement. It's not God that will do it for you. You are the one that will do it. Anything that defies the flesh. Was it not Jesus that said, if it is your eye that will cause you to sin, do what? Pluck it out. If it is your hand, cut it off. If it is your leg, cut it off. Because it is better for you to do without them and go to heaven than to carry them and go to hell. And if someone will cut his hand, cut his leg, pluck his eye. Who is a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a same partner? Some of you, you say, the man said he's going to marry me. Has he proposed to you? No. I'm still watching him. I'm following him so much more. I know, I know what he has in mind. I'm studying him. And I know he's also studying me. So both of us are studying each other. Activities of the flesh that doesn't profit anybody. You know, man is so foolish that this person wants to marry this person. And instead of him to propose after praying, and for the person to pray and then accept, you start relationship. Have you heard about that word? Eh? Uh, can, can you be my friend? I don't mean any... You know, just somebody I can be talking to. Eh? Just somebody I can be talking to. Eh? All these brothers in the fellowship, you cannot talk to them. And all the sisters, you cannot also talk to them. 
Why do you need a special person to talk to? And you need a special request to start the talk. Man has always been deceiving himself. That's why God keeps warning. Don't be deceived, even by yourself. One brother was saying, eh, I'm feeling lonely. I need somebody to be. I say, call me. Anytime you feel, call me. <laughs> I'm available. I will, I will talk with you and you will not feel lonely. <laughs> I say, you have not said what your problem is. Cut it off. Cleanse yourself from everything that defies in your life and around your life. It's not God that will do it. He, you are the one. You are the one that will. I was praying for a young man. You know, the demon was manifesting. All sorts of violent manifestation. But the demon was not going. He's only manifesting and shouting and all of that. Ah, go now. He refused to go. So, after a while, the demon said, do you know why I'm not going? I said, why are you not going? The young man you are asking me to leave his body has pornography in his phone now as I'm, as I'm here. I said, eh. I now stopped the deliverance. Bring him back to consciousness. Clear the the subconscious and the anointing. Say, sit down. Then when he came back, normal, I now asked him, do you have pornography in your phone here? He said, yes. Huh? I said, I yeah, delete it. He finished deleting. I now came back to the deliverance. Just one touch. Somebody say one touch. The demon just left. Igbo people said, "No ye pataran kwaroro." Selegene, ngwele, come. You went and cut firewood, and that firewood is full of um, ants. What are you inviting? You have not said lizard come, but by bringing that firewood to your house is an open invitation to all the lizards around. Come. I was casting out demons from a young man again. And all that I was saying, he was standing like a tree. Nothing was happening. You know the way tree is standing. Say everything you want to say. I said, this is unusual. And I now ask the Holy Spirit, what is happening here? Spirit of the living God, what is happening? He said, ask him. He has condom in his wallet. Ask him about it. I stopped the prayer. I said, open your eyes. Do you have condom in your wallet here? He did like this. I said, yes, sir. Ah. And you want demon to leave your body. You want to be free.
Fornication is a special sin. The Bible describes two types of sin. Two types of sin. One type of sin is fornication. The other type of sin is what? Every other sin. See it in First Corinthians. You know, I'm going to conclude from First Second Corinthians seven verse one. That's where I'm going to conclude. So let me visit some other places and then I'll return back and conclude. First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen. Everybody turn there. First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen. If you are there, let's read together. I want to go. Flee fornication. Every other sin a man commits is outside his body. For he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Flee fornication. Flee means fly away. God was talking about fornication so seriously that he assumed that you have a wing. That's why he didn't say, run away. He said, do what? You should, you know, and you know, sometimes when somebody is running away from a danger, that's the way he normally runs, and they used to say in Igbo, that is, the leg is no longer touching the ground. The person is flying on the air. Flee fornication. Why am I asking you to flee fornication? Why? Because Fornication is one kind of sin that is very dangerous. And then another kind of sin is every other sin. Every other sin is in one side. Fornication is in one side. Every other sin a man commits is outside his body. But he that commits fornication sins against God, number one. When you commit any other sin, you sin against God. Are you following me? Now, when you commit fornication, do you sin against God? Yes. But apart from sinning against God, you are also sinning against your own body. I don't think many of you understand that. I don't think so. What it means to sin against your body. Eh? To sin against your body is to change the com- components of your body. To change what? The components. Come, let me use that as an exa- example quickly. What's your name? This is Christian Nan. You know, he was giving this body. Remember Jesus? Sacrifices and offering. You have not but a body you have prepared for me to use to do your will. Now, this is the body that God has given Christians to use to manifest his glory, do his will on the earth. Now, if Christian carelessly sleeps with um, Mary Ann, God forbid, what happens is that this body, after fornication, will not be the body that came to this world again. He has changed it. Fornication has the chemical reaction they call compound. 
you know, mixture and compound. Those of you that did chemistry, what is a, 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 a mixture? When A mixes with B, you still get A, you can separate. But a compound, A plus B will give you C. It can never be A. You will never get A again. So if a former and uh, Alexander commit fornication, you will get um, Thomas. You will never get a former again. You will never get Alexander again. And what God created the original former to do is gone. That's, he has, that's why the Bible said, you are destroying your body. Tell your neighbor, sin has levels. Every other sin. But he that commits fornication. And for those of you that are saying, eh, we did not do the main thing. Have you heard that language before? We only kissed and romance ourselves. You know, sometimes when they are talking like that, I will be like, so you are even free to talk like this. No, we didn't do much. Or we, just, uh, we just kissed and touched ourselves and, you know, can you imagine how common it is in their mouth? Jesus said, when you look and lost, you have what? You are a fornicator. You are an adulterer by looking and lost. And you, you went beyond looking and lusting to touch. And you will still come and say you didn't do. Uh -uh. You have defied the temple of the living God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is what? Holy. Holy and acceptable. Second Timothy chapter 2. Go there before I now conclude with um, Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 to 21. Let's read it quickly. A fast reader, if you are there, you can help us read Second, uh, Second Timothy chapter two, verse. Yes. Uh huh. Take the mic so that we can hear you out. Second Timothy two nineteen to twenty one. Uh huh. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. Are you sure that that mic is working? Put it in your mouth so that we can hear. But God's firm foundation stands. <laughs> But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and lets everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earthenware, and, and some for noble use, some for ignoble. If anyone purifies himself mm -hmm. from what is ignoble, then he will be a vessel for the noble use consecrated and useful to the master of the house, ready for any good work. Thank you for such a wonderful reading. He said, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, and he has a seal on it. What is that seal reading? The Lord knows those who are his. Oh, God is wonderful. He said, God cannot be confused. When somebody say, I belong to the Lord. I am glad I belong to Jesus. Uh -uh. He said, you may sing, but I know those who are mine. 
Pray them, praise the Lord. I want to thank God for how he helped me to clear my wire and my jump at once. You can only deceive us. God knew that you cheated. He knew that you did expo to get your jam and your wayek. He knows those who are his. That was why he said, it's not everybody that said to me, Lord, Lord. He knows the people that are calling unto him out of a genuine heart. He knows. He now says, let every man that nameth the name of the Lord do what? Depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. Depart from lying. I was in the lecture hall. That was on is it Thursday? No. On Wednesday, yes. And then a student entered the class. He dressed well. And I've been talking to the students about dressing well. And this one dressed well. I asked him, why did you come late? You dressed well, but you now came late and spoiled the whole thing. He said that he was in the other lecture. That's 8 to 10. So he just went out to do something. You know, you know, so I said, so why do you tell a lie? Because I just it changed my lecture period with the other lecturer. So for that day, I thought 8 to 10. He didn't know. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That was the first time I was teaching like that. So he now said he was in the lecture. The students started laughing. And some of them were telling me, Sir, can you now see that it's not by dress? This, this is a liar. He dressed, but he's a liar. I say, young man, you have spoiled everything. You are, you are, they are now three. You, you came late and you told lie. Then you now told lie to me. Because telling lie is different from telling lie to me. Let every man that named the Lord depart from lying. Depart from iniquity. And then in a, in a great house, the house of God is a great house. There are vessels of honor, there are vessels of dishonor. He said, But if any man cleanses himself from these ignoble things, he shall be a vessel of honor. Always remember, if any man cleanses himself, who will cleanse you? Eh? You are the one. Psalm 119, verse. 9 to 11 say, how can a young person cleanse his way? So it is not God that will cleanse the way of the young man. It is the young person that will do what? Cleanse his way. How can he do that? He said, by taking heed according to your word. Your word have I hidden in my heart so that I will not sin against you. The word of God is a sanctifier. 
So when you want to cleanse yourself, what do you do? You apply yourself to know the word of God and ensure that you are following and you are doing it. Like this meeting now, you have had a lot of word of God that challenged your life. If I'm saying the truth concerning your life, raise your hand. You have had the word of God in this meeting and your life has been challenged. The truth is this. If I come back next week and say, what's your name? Joshua, what did we, what did you learn from the last message I preached? Most times when you ask this kind of question, people start looking for their notes. What is that saying? The word of God they heard is not in their life, but we are on their note. That's for those that copied note too. Those that did not copy anything, the whole thing vanished. And they are, here, they are here. Some of them are not copying anything. But those who copy, they have not taken time to transfer what they learned from the notes to what? To their life. He say, your word have I hidden in my notes. <laughs> oh God. You are not getting what I'm saying. Uh, the psalmist said, your word have I what? Copied in my notes so that I will not sin against some of you will do quiet time, write it down for one year. You will never go back to read it. Who will read what you are writing? You are hiding the word in your quiet time note. That's why after all the quiet time, you still sin against God. By taking heed, you are the one. He said, if any man cleanse himself from this, he shall be a vessel of honor that is sanctified by the word. That is useful to the master. Not everybody is useful, useful to God. In the great house. And then, ready, prepared for every good work. Prepared for every good work. I beseech you, brethren, therefore... That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, he said, And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Do not be conformed, but be what? Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? The word. So that you will understand what is the good, perfect, and acceptable, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Don't, you see, the difference between the unbelievers and the believers who are heeding the word is that the believers, they, their body should be presented to God as a living sacrifice, holy. But the unbelievers, they don't care. So God said, don't be like them. Are you getting it? Don't be like them. Don't conform to their standard. They can wear anything. Some of you are in hostel. What do your unbelievers, fellow unbelievers, wear? They say, in the hostel. What do they wear? Are you in the hostel? My wife works in Students Affairs Department. And then you see what's 
the day she went to visit a hostel and she was shouting what the female students are wearing. Sometimes when you are coming for a meeting like this, you will advise yourself. So I, I need to dress like a sister. Every occasion has its own what? So, you will see yourself, you carry all your evil dressing. What, what, what name do I call it? Evil dressing. The dressing that leads both you and the people that are looking at you to evil, to sin. And you know it. That's one beautiful thing about man. You know, any day you dress wrongly, your mind, your conscience, your policeman inside will be telling you, this thing you are wearing is not good. Then you see yourself trying to conquer that one. The moment you conquer it and come out, you now see your fellow worldly people that will say, Hey! You are looking chingong. They will start praising you like a Christmas good. They will soon care. Know that you can look as fine as this. Oh, because turn, turn your side so I can snap. In that turn, well, you don't know that you are dead spiritually. You know, the unbelievers they are the one praising you. When you see some Christian bro- brothers and you will dodge because you know what you are doing. You know what you are doing. You are conforming to the world. You are no longer a living sacrifice that is holy unto God. Now, let me conclude in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Go there. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Having therefore these great promises, let us do what? Let's read it together. I want to go. Let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the body and the spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Listen. Holiness is perfected in the fear of of God. That is to say, you can never be holy if you don't have the fear of God. Did you hear what I said now? You can never be holy. That is what we lack in our generation. Fear of God has departed from the life of so many so-called professing Christians. That is why they speak in tongues at the same time they commit sin. Joseph in the house of Potiphar, was he speaking in tongues? Does he have a Bible? Was he attending ASF Arise and Shine and restoring the ancient uh, I don't know why it was lost. And now he needed restoration. 
Joseph doesn't have a pastor. He doesn't have a discipler. There is one thing that he has. What is that? Fear of God. Now we have opposite. You have a discipler. Don't know whether you have. You have a pastor. You have fellowship. You have Bible. You have Bible concordance. Dictionary. You know, versions. Version A, 2, B, C, 3, 4. And then, having all these things without the fear of God. That is why half of the pressure that came upon Joseph in that house will come upon some brothers. They will collapse into sin. They will fall flat on the lap of strange women. Half of the pressure. You, you remember, if you read that scripture very well, the Bible said that the woman, as she was talking to Joseph day by day, Genesis 39, 10, day by day, what the Bible did not record is how long this day by day temptation lasted. It could have lasted for one month, three months. Day by day, with promises, sweet tongue and mouth. Joseph said, no. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Day by day. Somebody said, uh, I don't pursue woman, but if a woman find me, come. We go now. That's his own. So he said he has committed fornication several times, but all the fornications he has committed is that woman find him come. Very loose life. Such a person is useless to the master. He can, he can never be useful. Some years ago, 2013 in particular, I was preaching and ministering somewhere in Oka, and after the ministration, you know, one young man came and said, sir, thank you, I am restored. I said, what is it? He said, for three years, I have been looking for my spiritual life. I committed fornication. And even when I have prayed, I say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, and all of that. They gave us suspension, and all of that, I returned back. But I know that something is lost, and that thing is not back. I'm feeling restored now. Perfecting holiness in the what? In the fear of God. Proverbs 16 verse 6 is a verse I don't want you to forget in a haste. Proverbs 16 verse 6. If you forget any verse, don't forget it in your life. So that you don't get confused how people depart from sin. Who is reading for me? Proverbs 16 verse 6. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. King James. Amen. Uh huh. By mercy and truth, iniquity is poured. Uh huh. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. 
By mercy and by truth, iniquity is what? Oh Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. He will forgive you. But you will commit again if you don't have the fear of God. It's only by the fear of God, according to that version, that men avoid sin. Why are there so much sin among the people of God? They speak in tongues, but they lack the fear of God. La, 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 la. Yeah, they even chant. Have you heard about chanting? You are looking at me. Why some of you are great chanters? But no fear of God. Oh, blessed is the man, the lady that fears God. When anybody that is porous comes around you to speak carelessly or to talk carelessly, he will meet a person of his life that day. The Bible says, shun evil. Shun evil. Fear of God. That is what will keep you from, away from sin. Because as for whether temptations will come to you, temptations will come to you. Temptations will come to you not once. Temptations will come to you several times. The only thing that will make you not to fall is what? So when you are praying, pray that you will have fear of God. When you are fasting, because if you pray and fast, you will still fall until your prayer and your fasting introduces enough fear of God in you. Because it's only by the fear of God that you as a young man a lady will corner you somewhere dark and offer her body and you will not fall. One brother said say that he fell because a lady visited his room, his self-contained room, and entered bedroom to bath. No carelessness is in degrees. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I love your self restoring the ancient what? Landmark. Why are you restoring it? Many of you have crossed it. You don't know the landmark between a man and a woman again. The boundary. That's why you will allow a sister to visit you and lie down on your bed. She said, I'm feeling dizzy. She lie down. You also lie down there. And both of you will be meditating on the word of God as you are lying down. He said, the lady finished bathing in the bedroom and came out naked. Her first visit to his house. Came out how? Now let me tell you, it's a simple thing. It's not a problem. If that brother has what? The fear of God. The problem is not that the lady came out naked. Nonsense. Are you hearing me? Sin is not, temptation is not your problem at all. Uh, people are these are uh, naked everywhere. They are not your problem. Eh? These guys will not allow somebody to rest. They will be calling you, uh, disturbing you, toasting you. Huh? They are not your problem. Sister, guys and niggas are not your problem. You don't hear me. <laughs> 
What is your problem? You don't have the fear of God. That's just the problem. If you can have the fear of God, then you will perfect holiness. A living sacrifice that is acceptable can only be acceptable based on the ground of what? Holiness. I say that is the connection point. I want to pray. I want to pray. We have threaded this pathway till this point and we have a testimony of righteousness and holiness. As we pray, you need to pray first of all that your heart be equipped with the fear of God. And then, you need to say to God deliberately, one after the other, my eyes, my ears, my hand, every part of my body, I present to you as instrument of righteousness. Let's rise up as we pray. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website, www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivalabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999. You could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels.